Good morning, Boker Tov. Buenos dias. Sabah al This is Shana Fold here from Tel Aviv with the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm here to give you the daily headlines so you can get caught up quickly. And this podcast has been recorded at 1.53 p.m. Israel time. Here's a little throwback to the Corona Business Report that I did. Numbers of COVID-19 are rising, and as of yesterday, there are more than 4,000 patients with the virus in the country. No coronavirus deaths have been recorded in the last 24 hours as of 10 a.m. Israel time. However, the number of patients in serious condition has jumped to 39, with 32 needing ventilators to help them breathe. That report is from Ynet. Now, turning it over to the business side, Globes writes that Israelis have returned to spending as though coronavirus never existed, though the return to work has been slow with unemployment rates at nearly 24% in Israel, people are still swiping their cards. Now, I completely understand that. People need haircuts, underwear, toothbrushes, and some of these basic things were on hold for three months while people were isolating at home and worrying about where their next dollar was going to come from, or should I say where their next shekel was going to come from. Now, I'm going to move on to the next story. Do you believe that it's true? Well, after three months without train service in the Holy Land due to coronavirus, the Israel Railway says it is finally back on track with service starting up again Monday. The train service has delayed its opening a few times in the last weeks as coronavirus numbers climbed back up after hitting a low at the beginning of May. Israel has 288 new virus cases reported. The coronavirus cabinet gave the rail service a thumbs up so long as it abides by the guidelines and health rules that are already in place. The cabinet is also approving the reopening of venues with a cap of 250 attendees. That includes festivities like weddings or bar mitzvahs. Now I'm going to move on to a story that I think is a little bit of a scandal. Transportation on Shabbat in the Holy Land is a hot-button issue here, and Israelis typically have a very strong stance on the matter. There is little to no public transportation on Shabbat, or the Sabbath, as we say in English, for most of the country. It's meant to be a rest day from work, and a bill to get transportation up and running has just been shot down. The scandalous part is that the very party, blue and white, that campaigned in favor of Shabbat transportation is the party that voted against this bill. The idea from Blue and White was to implement transport in cities that supported it, cities that wanted it. The Jerusalem Post highlighted some really juicy quotes from politicians on both sides of the aisle. I think they will be able to shine a little light for you on some of the core sentiments regarding the topic. So let's hear from Orthodox United Torah Party member of Knesset, Uri Maklev. He asked this question. Why are we a Jewish state? What is our connection to the land of Israel apart from eating falafel? Is it our Jewish identity? Values come before leisure. He also added in that such a law would harm the status quo on religion and state and said that the majority in this country want to protect Shabbat and want Judaism. Now, on the complete opposite side, the leftist Meretz Party, MK member Tamar Zandberg, called public transport on Shabbat basic and essential, saying it's environmentally, socially, and economically just, and also saves lives. She said it will provide a solution for those who cannot afford private vehicles, 
and that it's unthinkable that just because of religious coercion and hypocrisy, Israeli citizens are under a curfew once per week. Very strong. Now, I want to mention that the subheader of this Jerusalem Post article said that after the bill, which, by the way, Zandberg drafted herself, after it was shot down, she introduced new legislation in hopes to ban the use of ministerial cars and their drivers on Shabbat. Sounds like she's really trying to stick it to the man. Now, on a lighter note, I absolutely love the archaeological stories that come out of Israel. The fun part about living here is getting to be part of history and also be in a constant state of learning about the people who lived here before us. So here's a good one. I'll take you to a Byzantine settlement in the Western Galilee that was once a prosperous Christian town 1,400 years ago. That was until forces from Persia tore it down. Now, at least that's what archaeologists say, and we trust them, right? Well, I would hate not to give credit to Gilad Sinamon, who is responsible for this amazing excavation. It started in 2007, but some new research on the site has just been shared. A building was uncovered showing off Christian symbols with mosaics inside, depicting flowers, animals, human figures, and pagan icons. And get this, the whole dig started when construction began to widen a roadway south of the Lebanon border in Israel between Kibbutz Hanita and a town called Shlomi. Researchers believe this is the town of Pi Metsuba, which is mentioned in the Jerusalem Talmud. The name, amazingly, has been preserved throughout many different regimes that controlled the area and is even maintained by a modern-day kibbutz called Kibbutz Metsuba, which is nearby. Okay, so are you ready for this week's original report? Let me give it to you. I am taking a look at immigration to Israel this week. Immigration to the state of Israel is fascinating. During its birth year in 1948, 101,000 people immigrated to the state, followed by 239,000, 170,000, and 175,000 the year after that. Since then, then being in 1952, Jews have immigrated to the Holy Land in droves that range between 11,000 to 80,000 people per year. I got these stats from the from the Jewish I got these stats from the Jewish Virtual Library. In the last 10 years, numbers have been ranging between 14,000 and 34,000. So, I started to ask, where is the state of Israel going to fit all of these new people? It seems like a lot to me. 14,000 to 34,000. This is the range in the last 10 years. Well, I got on the phone with Alon Tal. He's a professor at Tel Aviv University, a former politician, environmental activist, and co-founder at EcoPeace. When we spoke on May 17th, as the coronavirus was winding down, Tal told me not to get caught up in the immigration hype. Now, this talk was before the Black Lives Matter movement stirred up emotions, protests, and systems in the United States. Tal said the number of immigrants coming to Israel is extremely low in comparison to other peak times in Israel's history. He noted that so many Israelis leave each year from Israel for better economic opportunities outside of the country, so it creates a balance. He said, while immigration is critical, it's just background noise. It's not that big of a deal. But the rapid population growth in Israel is undermining the quality of life here. It's not a question of immigration anymore. Israel has the highest fertility rate in the OECD, and that means our population will double 
meaning every building, highway, shopping mall, will have to be doubled in order to keep up with the amount of people. Infrastructure already does not meet the demands, according to Tal. He respects the wait time in tra- he expects that the wait time in traffic jams, hospitals, delays in court decisions, and all of these results of quantity are going to be at the detriment of the quality of life. Let's compare this with some new numbers on Aliyah. Okay, this means return to Israel. The woman in charge of this department, the integration minister, Panina Tamano Shata, said just yesterday that the latest forecasts are preparing for 90,000 new immigrants within the next 18 months. These are very new numbers. Now, if you remember the numbers I mentioned up at the top, you'll know that this could be the biggest wave of immigration in over 20 years. I wanted to talk to Americans immigrating to Israel, so I got on a couple of calls with Americans who've decided to make the jump. Let's hear from Jonathan Nosan, a New Yorker who started filing paperwork to come to Israel, and Max Spitalnik, who is already in Israel on a visa and has finally committed to making Israel his homeland. Okay, thanks so much, Jonathan. I just have one question for you. Has the rising tensions of social change in America pushed you to make a decision in favor of Israel? Yeah, the whole uh, the whole pandemic and protest situation uh, has definitely contributed to to solidifying my decision. But I've been playing with the idea for for a number of years. I've been in New York now for twenty years, and they've been good years. But then the last eh, three to five have just been less exciting and less enticing and less definitely. The more I went to Israel, the less I wanted to be here. And same question for you, Max. What do you feel? That's a great question. Obviously, there's a lot of social unrest playing out right now in America. And, you know, it's concerning to see the way in which the government, as well as just the general population, had, you know, handled and continues to handle Corona. But neither one of those are the main driver in me wanting to make Aliyah at this moment. For me, you know, becoming an Israeli, in addition to being an American citizen, is driven by just, you know, one big idea that I'm going to be on the next step at the forefront of Jewish history. Well, you've heard it. Those are the voices of the people. Thanks for listening. Today is Thursday, June 18th. We've got a low of 22 and a high of 27 degrees Celsius in Tel Aviv. That's 72 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 81 in the central city. I'll be back after the weekend with more news and whatever stories I liked that I could not get to today. And don't forget, Subscribe to my podcast on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you are hearing it from. I want to send the listeners off with some music from the Israeli band Sarava. This is their latest. Have a great and productive day.